Welcome to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. Each week, we hear real-time stories from athletes and CEOs on how to maximize performance through an endurance mindset. Let's get started. Welcome to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. I am super excited about our guest today. She is a highly analytical finance professional who has an obsession with high-performing teams. She started a subscription-based business with a mission to empower and inform athletes through the discovery of better nutrition and gear. A two-time Venture 15 recipient, which recognizes the 15 fastest-growing startups in Asheville, North Carolina. She is the CEO of the Runner Box, the CEO of the Rider Box, and a recently launched Fuel Goods. Please welcome Laura Jurgensen. Welcome, Laura. Thank you so much for having me, Greg. It's awesome to have you on the show, and I I'm a huge fan of your product, but we can get into that later. Um, Laura, we love talking about endurance on this podcast. And my favorite question to ask is, tell me how your endurance mindset has impacted your life unexpectedly. I think that's a great question. And I think my entire life has been a stream of unexpected events that, that come out of this mindset that I have. I think probably one of the biggest things that was so unexpected for me was becoming a professional cyclist. I never saw that one coming, um, but I played basketball in college and I tore my ACL three times within the matter of less than two years. So I was like, I, I, I don't think I'm supposed to play basketball. Um, but it was a, a little bit of a like, but what do I do next kind of moment? I wasn't ready to not be an athlete. You know, that mindset in me, it was like, you know, you just keep going, find another way. I got into running. Um, and then as my knee degraded, then segued to triathlon, which then segued into cycling, which was a thing that I could do without pain. Um, and then that turned into doing it at a very high level, um, which, which happened over time, but it was definitely not something on my trajectory whatsoever. Um, I was working corporately for Royal Caribbean when I got offered a contract and it was, I didn't even know what it meant. Uh, someone was like, we, you know, we do the NRC, which at the time was like the biggest national race circuit in the United States. And I had to go look up to see what it was. Like, that's how new I was to all of it. Um, and then that kind of led into me saying, wow, I mean, I always wanted to be an athlete at a very high level. I thought that opportunity was gone when I got hurt, um, but I just kept going um, and then ended up quitting the job at Royal Caribbean racing professionally. And that's how the runner and rider box got started as well, because I wanted a job because um, women sport pays so poorly. So kind of this whole, this whole um, crazy series of events that led to me where I am now. Um, and even to opening the new business, it's just that constant need and desire to continue moving through the hard stuff and growing to become the best version of yourself. Absolutely. I'm diving deeper into that, you, you've sev med mentioned several times injury, just keep going, pushing through it. Talk to us about the mental side of that. Like, how, what's that uh, emotional roller coaster like for you? That's a great question. I think when the first time I tore my ACL, I think it was 18 years old. Um, and at that time, my life was over. My entire identity was being a basketball player. It was like so core 
to who I was uh, at, at that time. Like I didn't even separate myself from this identity. So I was devastated. And now I look back and I'm like, man, that is one of the best lessons life ever gave me because I obviously got through it as we do. There's one thing that um, my stepmom says, it's one of my favorite things ever. She always says, you're not as strong as you want to be. You're as strong as you have to be. And it's so true because life is going to throw things at you that you think, I can't do this. And I think the more times that you do, the more confidence you get in the fact that you can. So things start to come at you and your first reaction is, I can't. Your first reaction then becomes, how am I going to tackle this? I know I will, but what is that going to look like? Um, so the first time I got injured, I didn't know. Uh, and I was really scared. I started coaching. So I still kind of stayed in the game and the running thing happened on the side. Um, and it gave me back my passion in something. And that reignited that fire in me, that competitiveness, that athlete. And I think, like I said, at such a young age, learning that lesson is that it, it may not look the way that you expected, but as long as you keep putting one foot in front of the other, you will get there, um, has served me so well. So like I said, at the time, you couldn't have told me a worse thing could have happened to me, but now I look at it as one of the best things that ever happened. And I'm so grateful it happened so young because it allowed me to learn a lesson that some people don't get the opportunity to learn too much later. Um, and it, it becomes much harder to learn it the further along you get. So bring that forward to today. How do you use that experience in your endurance, in your businesses? Talk to bring us, bring that forward and how you use those experiences now. Yeah, I think it removes a lot of stress from me because I no longer need to know the endpoint. I mean, of course, as a business person, you have a strategy and you have a vision. But I think where people uh, get derailed sometimes is that they want to stick so close to it that if something uh, something happens, like for us, we have a warehouse. There's things that go wrong all the time. I think some people see that as oh my gosh, what do we do now? And they just keep plugging away, try to fix that one thing instead of trying to find a different solution that in the end may be better. So I think how I use that now is that, first of all, I get a lot less stressed because I don't like hold myself to it has to look a certain way. Um, you know, the, the minutiae detail I have, but the end vision generally turns out, you know, as good or better, but like the steps along the way, I'm very flexible into what that needs to look like. So we're open to change. We pivot more quickly. And I think we think out of the box more quickly than maybe some other people because we don't get stuck in the, it has to be this certain way to get to the end. And that goes back to the mindset, right? It's not about how you get to the finish line. It's just that you get there. So we mentioned earlier about your obsession with high-performance teams. And now you're talking about a culture that you've brought into your business. How have you relayed that culture, taught that culture to your team? Yeah, great question. I'd say one of the things that I find most fortunate about what we do is that when we started um, the Runner and Rider Box, it was far before remote work was an option like it is today. Um, when I quit my job, I needed to do something that I could do mobily because we were traveling and racing a lot. Um, and I saw this as such an amazing opportunity for me to do both. And as we started to hire people, we hired people that were doing the same thing. I'd say across the, across the uh, men and women's Peloton, there's some really amazingly smart 
people um, that at that time weren't really getting to shine with the intellectual side or the business side because they were being pigeonholed into, if you can't be at this desk from nine to five, Monday through Friday, you can't work here. Um, so we were able to pick up a lot of those people. So as we hired people at the beginning, everyone who worked for us was some level of professional athlete that was doing it on the side. So that culture was already embedded in all those people inherently by the life choices they were making, right, to do this thing. So it was very easy for us to build that culture because that mindset was in everyone that we hired. And now I think it would be hard to come work here if you didn't have that mindset. And even if there's like a piece of that in you, everyone around you is going to bring that out in you. Um, so we really look to bring people on that. It's not about like being a professional athlete. That's definitely not what I'm saying. It's just about having um, that desire inherently to want to become the best version of yourself in whatever you're doing. Uh, people like that will thrive here because I am. That's one of the most proudest things I think that I can say is who we've been able to bring on this journey are people that really strive for that. I think it's becoming somewhat harder and harder to find people that are really pushing the limits of themselves. Um, and we really have been able to do that. And I think it's because we built it so early with the type of people that we were bringing on board. That's amazing. Where my mind was going when you were describing that was going back to our first question around the endurance mindset. And I would love to hear your thoughts on how you've just touched on it a little bit, but I'd love to go a little bit deeper on how that mindset lives within your organization. Yeah. I think that every, everyone here, they're just doers. They're like, get it done type of people. Uh, and I think in all of our heads, it's not an option for it not to happen. Like I said, I think we're, we've all come from like a very high level of whatever it is we do. Um, and I think when you've done it for so long that like, no matter what happens, whether I have to walk, crawl, carry my mic, whatever, I'm getting across the finish line. When you've been doing that so long in sport or, you know, whatever modality you may do that in, that translates over. So when we come to our desk, like if we have a project in front of us, I don't think that any of us ever have the thought, this isn't going to get done. Um, and even, you know, I've worked other places and that is not normal. There is generally, um, like some places I work, as soon as you're, you know, given a task, like, you know, your team is set off to do something. Sometimes the energy, the first thing is it can't be done. Um, and that that happens a lot. And so rather than saying, okay, we've never done this before, um, or I've never tackled this. It's just instantly, how are we going to do this? Um, and so it's it's a more of an energy of curiosity and creativity than it is of negativity um, and pessimism. Like pessimism doesn't live here. Things may be hard, but we embrace that because I think everyone here uses, like there's something, I think as an endurance athlete or someone with an endurance mindset, there's a shift in your brain that discomfort is not bad. You know, some people live in a world where if I'm uncomfortable or if I'm, I'm facing discomfort, that's bad. Uh, and I think a lot of people view it that way. And they're like, that means bad, that means stop. Whereas endurance athletes, I think that switch has flipped in our brain where now we view discomfort as growth or something good, right? Um, and I think when you can have people in a room that are comfortable being uncomfortable, which is kind of the definition of endurance sport, the whole game changes. 
um, because now challenges are readily accepted and they're like booked on with a positive sense rather than a negative one. And that changes uh, workflow. It changes the trajectory. It changes the energy completely. You're hundred percent correct. You know, and when we find ourselves in those uncomfortable situations and work-wise, training-wise, that our sports have taught us to lean further in. Like that is where growth lives. That is where opportunity lives. Yeah, it hurts, but it won't hurt that bad the next time. And so again, it goes back to personal growth. There's a, a, a gentleman that I follow, this guy, Jack Daly, he's a sales coach. And he talks a lot about how most companies are not run as well as professional teams. And if you think about how much practice an athlete goes through, a team goes through before it comes to game time, compared to a business, it's night and day, right? Many businesses don't practice before it, 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 they're ready for production. I would love your thoughts and comments on that, like how you run your team. Or do you have practices within or scrimmages within your teams? Can you give us a little bit of insight there? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think we don't so much have practices, perhaps, um, as much as, unless we're all just viewing everything as practice, probably. Um, because now that I'm saying it out loud, we're constantly tackling things we've never done before or taking on uh, new ideas, new projects that I think what happens or what I've seen happen is that in work, people gravitate to what they're already good at. I know this tool, I know this function, I know this system, so I'll keep doing that thing. Um, which I'm not suggesting that's that's good or bad. I mean, that part of mastery is repeating the same thing over and over again, right? So like, I'm not against that, but I think there's also something to like expanding your skill sets. So I think we're, we're everyone here is constantly practicing that, um, like trying new tools, testing out new things. I think strategically we all sit down and say, how, who, the question that I ask myself often, and this did not come from me, I'm trying to remember who said this, but um, it was like, who do I need to be in five years uh, to achieve what I want to achieve, right? Um, so if you sit down and ask yourself that question, like, who does that person need to be? Do I need to be great at finance? Do I need to be great at marketing? I mean, you could fill in the blank with anything you want. Uh, and if you ask yourself that question and then you work backwards towards that, right? Like, I would have to be a great leader. I would have to be this. Well, what skills would I need to be working on today in this moment to get there? Um, and I think when I think of, our team's practicing, we all go through that exercise, right? And it's like, what skills do each of us need to be adding? Um, or maybe it's not a new skill. Maybe it's just honing in on something we already do. But I think we all come with a sense of practice and getting better. When I think of practice, I think of getting better, right? Um, and I think all of us come for desks every day and say, how, how do I become the best person I can be today? Like, And I think none of us leave satisfied unless we feel like we squeezed the juice out of the day, right? Um, so in that sense, it's definitely a continual pattern of practicing and getting better. I can really appreciate that that five-year visioning of yourself, your business, and then walking back, what do I need to have in three years? What do I need to have in two years? How about tomorrow? And really identifying where your personal and business gaps are. It's a great strategy. Laura, I'm going to shift subjects on you a little bit and talk more on the entrepreneurial journey. Um, what surprises have come your way? <laughs> man i'm trying to think of what the so many i mean there's so many things i did not know getting into this um certainly so we we ship out physical 
product. Um, the warehousing and delivery world has been a big learning curve. I think for us, certainly Amazon has changed the world of shipping everything in people's minds. The reality is that everything comes free right away. Um, and in the reality of when my invoice comes from UPS, that's not the way it is. Um, so I think like one of the biggest surprises is just how to handle um, like changes in the economic environment. Like right now we're going through a very hard economic time um, and it always comes unbeknownst to us. I mean, COVID, that was one of the biggest changes for all of us. I think anyone running a business, that certainly knocked all our socks off, right? Like what our world was one day was not what the world was the next day. Um, and it's just been things like that, things that have come out of nowhere where all of a sudden your business totally shifts and changes. Um, that, yeah, it's the, there have been some mountains to climb for sure. And it goes back to the endurance mindset. And when those things hit, because of your endurance mindset, you're able to tackle them or view them with less stress, less panic. Any other tools that you've used or groups or masterminds or like any, as a business owner, you know, there's always a, a sort of an advisory group around you that helps you also manage through many of these. Are you a part of any of those types of groups or tools? We put together an amazing advisory board for Fuel Goods, the new business. And, you know, maybe I can parlay that in here because with the runner and rider box, I think this was a change in dynamic. With the runner and rider box, we pick out every item that goes in that box. So we say, we've been, you know, scouring the endurance landscape. Everything in here is awesome. We want you to try it. A big shift that's happened is that people um, have become far more customized in everything. Um, technology has changed. Everything's individualized. So that model for us was getting outdated. So there's some people that still love that and we think that's great. But a lot of people are like, we need these certain nutrition things, you know, we've got all these dietary restrictions. We have this, we have that. Um, so rather than just being like, this business is no good anymore, um, which gosh, there was at one point like 10 running subscription boxes. And I think there's only maybe two left. I mean, almost all of them have gone out of business. It's a hard space. Um, but rather than looking at that and be like, this is a hard space. We've been like, how can we make it better? We were launching a whole new business, totally sport agnostic, totally uh, customizable. So very tech enabled. So that will have, uh, will be real time recommendations in the long term. We can go on there and say, I bike, I hike, I do this, I do it for this long. Uh, and it will spit out exactly what you need because not only do people want personalization, they want convenience. So they don't want to take the time to sit down with someone and, you know, go through a plan. They're just like, I want it on demand. So how can you make that happen? Um, so that's been a big pivot and change for us. But that all comes from the endurance mindset because running a small business is so hard. Um, and I think at one point when we were like, where, you know, we had a couple of choices going back to the advisory board um, sat down and it's like, what do you want this business to be? So this goes back to the visioning as well. And it's like, do you want this to be um, a small business like it is now? So to give you some more, shed some more light on this. In 2020, my business partner and I both retired from professional cycling during COVID, a big unexpected thing, um, which allowed us to really grow the business and was helpful. But now we were at this stage of like, it was never meant to be like a full, I mean, it was a full-time thing, but it was a side thing in addition to our professional careers racing. And now it's like, do you want to take this business to the next level? 
what is that going to look like? And in our heads, it's like, we need to start, you know, it's a whole new business we're starting. And I think a lot of people would look at that and say, no, I'm not doing it. That's too hard. That's too uncomfortable. Um, because entrepreneurship is hard. Um, you know, runner and rider box has, you know, it's on its own legs. It's doing great, but it wasn't easy to get it there. And to, so to think about like, you know, re-envisioning ourselves and starting over from scratch, most people would say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to ride this thing out as long as I can. And it will stay here, you know, like very, you know, right where it is. Whereas that endurance mindset of always wanting to be better. It was like, if we want to get better, if we want to get through like, you know, the plateau of the business, we need to go all in on something else. Um, and that is scary. And there's time we really thought hard about that. Cause I was like, man, do I really want to get down in the trenches that and get, I don't know, like when, when one of my training partners on our training, it was like, when we had a really hard day, it's like, you got to get grimy. And that's like where you really have to dig. Um, I'm like, man, we're going to have to get grimy if we're going to want to do it, if we do this. And, you know, for me, like, it didn't take me more than a couple seconds to be like, yeah, we're doing it. Like, we, you know, because it's, it's part of the growth, right? Like, um, stag, being stagnant, I think, is one of the most horrible things in the world for me. I just find myself in uh, a state of total disalignment. I'm like, I know I have more in me. Um, and that's always for me. It's like, if I, if I think I can give more, I have to give it. Take us back to the light bulb moment when Feel Goods was born as an idea. Well, yeah. tell, tell that tell that story. Yeah. So when uh, my business partner Courtney and I we both retired and like 2020, I'll give you kind of a timeline. I'll make it short. But 2020, we really thought we'd be back racing. Like at the beginning, everyone we didn't realize this was like really going to be it. Um, so we were kind of toing the line. 2021, we really did a lot of work on the business. Um, and then we were like, where do we go? So we started internally thinking of what's the next step. Uh, and the logical next step for us would be for users of the runner box, say they get 10 items in a box, to be able to go buy more of those items from us or one of our partners um, so that we can monetize that. Because right now we send people a box, they get the products. If they want more of it, they would have to go to the individual vendors, which one from a customer that's arduous and annoying to have to go many different places. Um, and for us as a business, it's like we're not monetizing any of that. We stayed at host houses a lot racing and a lot of them got the boxes to support us. And every year when we went back, their cabinets were full of all runner box or rider box items because they fell in love with a lot of the, the products. And they've been purchasing some ever since. And meanwhile, we're not getting anything from that. So we knew that that was like, that was the very logical next step was being able to monetize that repurchase for our subscribers. Um, so I think the next question is, do you, do you build it? Do you buy it? Do you partner? And when we started looking for, at first we just thought we'll partner with someone to do this. That seems to be easy and seamless for everyone. And we started looking, there wasn't really a place to do it. There's not like a standalone sports nutrition, healthy lifestyle e-commerce platform. Um, there's probably one true competitor in the space, um, but they are, they surface very hot, like they lean hard into elite and professional athletes, which I think is wonderful. And I think they do a great job at it. But for us, a lot of our consumer base is more of um, someone that is probably like, 
a middle of the packer um, or just getting into it. They want some help and discovery. And we love that because, again, we like constantly are like, how can we help people become that best version? And I think people that are in that space need more help. They need more discovery. So we really like that piece. But we couldn't find someone that already was had all those products available. So we were like, man, and we started doing some more digging. We're like, how is how is this possible that this doesn't exist? I mean, there's a marketplace for everything, for clothes, for gifts, for that, but there wasn't one for sports nutrition. So we're like, wow, this is a bigger white space than we could have ever imagined. And given the demographic that we're going after, which is someone who really is still on that trajectory of, I want someone to help me. I want to understand uh, what could help fuel me better. We really thought it was important to provide that for them, like the recommendation piece. So when we kind of talk about what we're doing, we say it's the chewy meets stitch fix of sports nutrition. Um, And there's nothing like that out there. So we couldn't partner. (laughs) And then when we saw the opportunity, we're like, wow, we're going to build this thing. And it is going to be awesome. And it is going to help so many people. Because for us, like the beginning of feeling good is fueling good. I think no matter what you do, no matter what activity it is, honestly, if it's just coming to work and sitting at a desk, if you're under fuel, you can't perform. Um, And I think that seems like a silly reason for people to be hold, held back from becoming the best version of themselves is because they're not fueled. So we're like, this is the easy first step for people to take uh, to move closer to like high performance. So we're really excited about it. You know, Laura, when I received my runner's box, if there's an item in that box that I already use, I feel like it's a victory. I'm like, oh, I just got, you know, a pat on my back for choosing something that that is has been found somewhere else. So I'm curious, how do you find the products that end up in your subscription boxes? Yeah, that is an art and a science. Um, So we, when we were, uh, my business partner and I were both still racing. That was really a logical way because we were traveling all all over the country. Uh, I think there's so many cool brands that are more regional than national that people don't get access to. So we were able to uh, see and learn a lot about those. Um, And now that we're not racing anymore, we have a team of athletes who still are. So they have exposure across, you know, nationally what's going on. They race at all different types of levels, uh, anywhere from recreational to still like the very elite and pro. For those that are still on pro teams, they have a pipeline of products because a lot of their sponsors um, we have relationships with, they want to give us kind of the first line on new products. They sometimes use the runner and rider boxes, like a little bit of a petri dish to test out new stuff. Um, and then also we go to conventions and expos and shows all over the country. Um, probably the most prominent one is Natural Products Expo. Um, they've got them on both sides of the country, one east and west. And it is the first time I went, I was so overwhelmed. It's just thousands of new brands that are coming out with products in the health and wellness space. And there's so many of them. It's shocking, really. Someone once asked me, will you ever run out of products for the boxes? And I was like, never. Like, there's so many cool brands up and coming all the time. Like, sports science is constantly changing. And even if you look at on the nutrition side, even on the healthy snack side, every year there's a new trend of something that's been found to be helpful or cool. Um, So we're just constantly scouring. um, Mix of, like, boots on the ground, researching like crazy. Who has time for that? (laughs) 
except us because it's actually our jobs. And I suspect every Monday morning you come and there's a box of some random product that they're they're pushing it to you to include in the box. <laughs> yes, a lot of that. I've tried a lot of a lot of strange things. Some of them I was pleasantly surprised. Others of them I could do with never trying them again. Reminds me of Harry Potter when he's in the candy store. Um, I would really appreciate your insights on the future of nutrition. You know, it, it's transformed so dramatically over the last five, 10 years to where, you know, middle of the packers like me have access now to what pro athletes have, not even just from a nutrition perspective, but from a coaching and equipment and you name it. Absolutely. Is that, as that continues to migrate, what do you see the next five years looking like? I think more of that. I think continual um, further customization, like you're saying, access is a big thing. It's not easy or it hasn't always been easy to get access to a lot of these products. I think as more services like ours launch or come to life, you'll be able to find things much more easily. And I think specifically it's the personalization piece that's really going to change. I think um, like with the tech we're building out, we'll be able to make a custom recommendation for you of like, um, these are the tools. I think there's some very cool technology coming out on the wearable side. Um, as far as like NYX, I don't know if anyone's heard of that wonderful hydration sensor. You can wear it during training. Um, and it will tell you based upon, you know, the, the sodium in your sweat, this is the drink mix you should be using. That would be most advantageous for you. Um, so it's technology like that, that it's just going to give us so much more information on the personalization piece. Because I think there's one thing that will always hold true is that there's tons of wonderful brands, but it may not have the same impact on me as it does on you. So I think that technology, like before you had to be racing at the professional level to get a personalized recommendation from a nutritionist, you know, do all these lactate tests and this and that, and they can be like, this is what you should be using. Um, whereas I think that, that level of personalization is just going to come down further for all of us. Um, and we can just get tighter on what specifically works for us based on hard, hard data. Shifting gears slightly, talk to us about you. You, you. you started with your basketball ambitions and how that transitioned into running and triathlon and ultimate becoming a pro cyclist. What was pre-basketball? As a kid, I literally did everything. Um, I was a huge tomboy. I played all the sports. Um, and you know, I, I lived, grew up in a lifetime where you could just go outside and play all day. Um, I did that. Uh, so always played with all the kids on the street. We were out playing hockey or soccer, or kickball or anything, you name it. And I've always gravitated towards that. Um, I started playing little league when I was, Oh my gosh, I wouldn't even be able to tell you. Probably eight. I was the only girl on the team and I was the pitcher. And if you ask my dad, it's still like one of his favorite stories because um, the boys would go cry when I would strike him out. Um, but yeah, I just always did. I played a lot of softball. So that was like my big toss up once I got to um, high school was like, is it going to be softball or is it going to be basketball? I was probably better at softball, um, but I loved basketball so much because it's just a fast game, a lot of strategy involved. Um, and I think if you look at the sports I end up with, there's a lot of strategic strategy going on as well as just like physical capability. I'd say as I would not like, I don't want to down my athletic ability because I'm more athletic than probably than, you know, the average human. 
But genetically, I was never like that genetic freak that was just, you know, could outdo anyone just by pure grit. Um, I am pretty gritty. I will suffer longer than almost anybody. And that's why endurance sports work for me. Um, but ones that you can mix in some, some strategy as well, which is why I think cycling works so well. But, I've, uh, you know, as a kid, I always, I always did every, everything, really. Um, and I loved it. It's always just been a huge part of me as being an being an active athlete. And I think that's why I'm so excited with the direction that we're moving with the new businesses because it serves any active lifestyle. I mean, we're, I'm just so passionate about getting people to move. I mean, obviously for me, it's left a certain way with certain endurance sports, but I think the more people that we can get outside and moving in general, uh, just the happier you become, uh, just things, life doesn't feel so hard when you can exercise. Happiness absolutely lives at the end of movement for sure. So we've got a female audience member who's thinking about becoming an entrepreneur. What's your advice to her? Absolutely do it. I think that there is a lot of noise out there um, that women can't get funding. Women can't get a seat at the table. I mean, you can go down the line with the narratives. And I'm not suggesting that the, that that doesn't exist. I mean, there's hard data. It can be harder for women. I think that is no reason to stop. And I think the more that we tell ourselves that women can't do blank, the more that we make that reality come true. Um, kind of going back to the story with my dad, I think un very, my parents got divorced when I was very young. Um, and unbeknownst to my dad, he taught me a lot of lessons I don't think he even meant to because he he did construction and all of a sudden I had to start going to work with him. Like for whatever reason, a lot of times I ended up with him and there was no, he never told me you can't do this because you're a girl. He always handed me the same stuff as everyone else and was like, get the job done. And so never in my mind growing up did I think because I'm a woman, because I'm a girl, I can't do this. Um, and I don't think, I think that narrative missed me. Like, you know, like I, I didn't have that in my mind. So when I went to work in a corporate environment, I walked into every boardroom with, in my head, at equal seat as everyone else. Um, and I was able to move very far with that mindset. So I think part of it is mindset. So I think there's this thing, fine balance of recognizing the realities of, you know, of a lot of situations, whatever, you know, minority group you may be in, there's a lot of realities that you will have to face while also being strong and confident enough to say, there's no reason I shouldn't be here because when we let the narrative go into our own head, that's when we set ourselves back. So I think it's being very confident in yourself and knowing that you can do it. If you're a woman in this space, I say, absolutely go for it. I think that there is a, there's something I love both genders. I think we all bring awesome things to the table. I think there's something that women bring um, that is, awesome. And especially in a small business, sometimes can be far more successful for men. We're slightly more methodical about things. Um, we're like, I think, slightly less averse to risk in situations when it makes sense. Um, and I think that women make wonderful business people. So don't let any narrative pre-existing out there stop you. I think that anyone can start a business and thrive with just hard work behind them. Um, Obviously, if you really want to scale, you got to get some other resources at the table, but I'd say absolutely go for it. It will be one of the most exciting things that you can do. So if you have like even that little piece of you that says, oh man, I think I think I want to go out and jump into this, I say dive right in. 
And as a father of two girls, I love that message. I continually try to use uh, entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial thinking to help them guide them through their decision making and what possibilities are out there. Laura, how can an audience member get in touch with you? Wow, they can reach out, uh, reach out at support at fuelgoods.com. Um, definitely, you can find me there. That message will make its way to us. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at the Fuel Goods or at the Runner Box. Uh, you can kind of check out what we're doing and you can reach out. And probably by the time this goes live, the Fuel Goods beta will be launched. So, love for people to hop in there and try that recommendation engine and see what we can crank out for them. And I'll definitely include those in our show notes so that it's an easy click through. Laura, it's been awesome having you on the show. I could talk to you about your subscription box, your fuel goods, your entrepreneurial journey for hours and hours. A couple of things I really appreciated in our conversation um, was your comment around the beginning. Beginning to feel good is fueling good. And no matter where you're sitting or where you're active or where you're not active, that's true. Like what you put in your body is how is what's going to make you feel good. Um, I also loved our visioning conversation where we looked out five years and said, "What's the per who's the person do I want to be five years from now? And then ratcheting that back to answer the question of where are my gaps today? Let's, let's try to find ways to continue to practice so that we can improve. And then ultimately, when we started the conversation, we talked about how your endurance mindset has taken a lot of stress out of your business journey, out of your athletics journey. Um, the, all these messages are fantastic. So I asked my audience members, if you got some value out of, the, out of this conversation, please like this episode. Please subscribe to our show. Please share this episode with your friends and family so that Laura's message and her journey and our conversation can impact those uh, to impact other people. And then I ultimately really enjoyed your insights for female entrepreneurship. Um, I'm going to snippet that out and share that with my daughters. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for having me, Greg. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. To hear more inspiring stories and strategies around the endurance mindset, be sure to subscribe below or visit us at chiefenduranceofficer.com. Until next time, keep pushing those limits.